0: Welcome into another episode of Cyberly. I am your host, Blythe Brimlevin, on this show. We cover B2B marketing, the attention economy, and how it all fits into the world of logistics. And I am back live in my normal sort of home studio. I'm back from a 10-day long trip out to the West Coast. I went to the Manifest, the Future of Logistics Conference, and then turned it into a little bit of an RV road trip. But I'm here, I'm back now. I want to talk a little bit about Manifest. And so in this show, let me go ahead and give you the roadmap for what it's going to look like. I'm going to cover some of the best sales and marketing that I saw at Manifest. We're also going to have, and he has a very long title, Strategic Executive Producer market expert lead economic lead economist I'm probably going to get that word wrong a few times in this show but he's also host on Freightways Mr. Anthony Smith is going to be joining the show and then later on in this episode we're going to be playing two interviews that I recorded live on site at Manifest with Brad Garrett he is the head of operations over at Gatik they are an autonomous vehicle company focusing on the middle mile. And then I'm also going to be chatting with Matt Barr. He is the Senior Director of Product Strategy over at eLogistics. It's a, div- a division of Geodis. And that is a super fun interview because if you saw any of my social media messaging over the last week or so, you might have seen me in the middle of a giant uh, puppy pit. Yes, they had a what's called a puppy lounge. But I will get into that a little bit more later on in the show. But for our first topic, I want to talk about some of the best marketing that I saw at Manifest the Future of Logistics. Now, if you're not familiar with this event, this was originally supposed to take place in 2021. And this has been in the works for a couple of years now. Because of the pandemic, they had to push it back and continue to push it back. There was even worries that they were going to have to push this one back even more. But they went ahead and went full steam ahead with this particular show. So that happened at the end of January over in Las Vegas. So perfect venue for all of that. And it was one of those conferences where it was a big deal for me because I've been to plenty of conferences in the past, but this is the first one that really had a true show floor where it had an expo floor with different demonstrations going on. And I want to kind of talk about some of those those different areas and some of my favorite parts of those different areas. The first thing I want to talk about is some of the sponsorship areas, because I thought that some of these sponsorships were really, really clever. So if you're going to be throwing an event in the future, if you're going to be hosting an event, or if it, your your company is interested in sponsoring an event in the future... These are some of the ideas that you might want to toy around with in the future. Who knows? I think you're going to start seeing more of them pop up at different events. And the first one is that puppy lounge that I mentioned in the intro. Now, this was a giant area of sort of like the fake grass area, and it's sort of fenced off. And they work with a local adoption agency over in Vegas that has all of these different puppies that are located in the shelter. And what happens is all of these puppies are available for adoption. So they wheel these puppies in, there was probably about a dozen of them in the little caged off area. And so you, you put hand sanitizer on your hands, you walk in and you can spend as much time as you want in this little area. This particular area was sponsored by Geotis. And you'll see an interview that we had with Matt sitting on the floor within this little section. So the puppies are crawling all over us. We're trying to have an an interview at the same time. So it was challenging on one aspect because you don't want to talk to anybody else. You just want to play with the puppies that are crawling all over you. But we managed to have a pretty good discussion in the midst of all of those distractions going on. So I thought that that was a really clever way to get your brand name out there and to get some social sharing activity. And then also on the flip side, This is also one of those, going back to a conference is is one of those things where you kind of have to get used to it in a variety of ways. You have to get used to it from a packing perspective. I can't tell you how much I overpacked for this particular trip, I, I had to end up sending a box back home, so I wouldn't have to pay for overages on my luggage. And so, when you think about it from that lens of, you have to remember how to pack for a conference. You have to remember: Are you even going to bring business cards? And I'll get more into that aspect later on. But what kind of promo materials are you going to be bringing? What kind of outfits are you going to be wearing? This is probably more for like the, you know, the, the female side of things. But then on the flip side, you're talking to a lot of people. And sometimes that can get exhausting just in a normal everyday environment. But when we've kind of been isolated a little bit over the last couple of years, it takes, maybe it's just me, but it took a lot of energy out of me in order to have a lot of discussion. So the puppy lounge was a perfect way to sort of recharge and get back to just you know resetting yourself to have those ha- happy like endorphins going through your body and then that way you can go and have more productive conversations so i thought that it was a brilliant addition to just sort of an overall just conference experience there was also an autonomous vehicle row i had the pleasure of of, of moderating the panel for all the main players for a lot of the main players i should say for autonomous vehicles and so what they did is they had an entire row of all of these trucks from Kodiak to Plus to Gadic, who you'll hear from later on in the show, um, and, and a couple of other robotics companies or uh, AV companies that are there. And they all had all of the trucks lined up where you could take pictures outside of them, inside of them. There's another, uh, Lo- Lo- Locomation was another one um, that you'll see a future interview uh, on CyberLeaf from the, the company founder. And what they had is they had these tracking sensors all over the trucks in their natural environment, but they're also displaying them at the conference. So you can see all of the different technology that was taking place and all of the things that that truck is tracking itself at the conference. It was tracking people. It was tracking booth space, uh, the, the, the wait staff bringing in drinks and food. It was tracking all of those things, and you were able to witness it firsthand. So I thought that that was another really cool thing about the expo floor. The next one I want to talk about is the meeting areas. Uh, Emerge had a great meeting area. They have their typical booth, of course, but then they also have an area that is set up with couches and tables and all of the different aspects from you know just being able to book a meeting with somebody on site. And then be able to go over and grab a coffee and sit down and have a meeting with somebody. So I thought that that was really clever, too. So the Emerge meeting area. Then there was also the Bloody Mary and Donut Bar, which was fantastic. They were serving them up all day, usually about you know after 12pm after is when people were starting to really partake in, in that different aspect. The, the, the donuts, though, they were partaking in those all day, every day. But the Bloody Marys were a nice touch. And that was brought to you by Log Ward, who I will also mention here in a few seconds because they had a really cool giveaway. Um, But then there was another sponsor area. And that's one I didn't really even think about, but it was the bathroom sponsors. So when you walk into the women's, I can't speak for the men's restroom, but when you walk into the women's restroom, all of the mirrors had this overlay of the sponsorship message and all of these different sort of motivational messages that that went across. And they not only on the mirrors when you first walk into the bathroom, but when you're washing your hands. And then also when you're in the stalls. To me, that is the most genius part of where you should put your advertising. And that was by E2 Open, I believe. They they had hygiene kits in the bathroom as well. And so from, from the sponsorship messages within the bathrooms, And then once you're in there, you know, washing your hands, they have these little mini hygiene kits, which came in super clutch because I ran out of toothpaste in the middle of this trip. And they had toothpaste in those little hygiene kits. So that was another little sort of just like a bonus tip that if you're looking for some kind of like giveaway idea, that something like that could really help out a lot of different people uh, who are traveling and packing for the first time in a long time, you could help them out with, with some of their different toiletries that they may or may not have run out of or forgotten. So I thought that that was a really nice touch. Um, So the bathroom sponsors we talked about. Now let's move on into the robotics demo area because I'm going to have a couple of these interviews coming to you soon within the next few weeks um, from one company in particular. He's called Wingcopter. And Wingcopter is a drone delivery service. And they've already established themselves over in Europe. They're starting to get established here in the US. And what they do is they essentially have a, a, a copter that's as big as a large, you know, sort of UPS. FedEx box. It's as large as that, and it's carrying a shipment underneath the drone itself. And the drone piece pops off, the the shipment part of it pops off, and you can put different kind of medical supplies in there. And it can be refrigerated or it can be unrefrigerated. And the idea is that you have a drone operator that is located in a hospital that's in a bigger city. And the drone operator can then put the medications needed that are needed in a small town environment. So the bigger hospital will supply the smaller hospitals with some of this medication that they not they may not be able to get their hands on regularly. So a drone operator will, will fly this drone from the bigger hospital to the smaller hospital, make the delivery and then bring the drone back. So I thought that that was rad to see in person. Um, a couple of other robotics that I, I thought were really interesting, a company called dematic they had a robot on display that was picking golf balls up and setting them on the tee. And then you were able to do your swing analysis and drive for a, a you know however many yards that you could um, within this golf simulator. So the robot was doing the hard work of setting the ball down on the tee, and then you could walk up to the tee and take a swing. Um, what was funny about that is that on the side of the booths from where people are taking a, a swing, there are holes in the side of the wall for where people missed badly. And one of those holes ended up being me. But I will say that I ended up being on the woman's leaderboard. I think I got like sixth or seventh place as far as like one drive. That was really good. But then on the flip side, I ended up putting a hole in their display. So that was a a kind of a funny moment, kind of, I guess, a a cautionary tale as well. And then another example of using robotics at your booth display is Swiss Log. They had a, a KUKA robot, which will take a beer... And you know, there, I guess a lot of these things have drinks affiliated with them. So you could tell what draw what drew my eye in, and that was one of the Kuka robots would take a beer, open the bottle, pour the beer into a glass. They would also clean the glass for you, and then it would leave a little bit of beer into in the the, the glass itself shake it up and then pour the rest of it into the cup that you were about to drink in. And then it would dispose of the empty bottle. So that was another way, a clever way of getting folks over to your booth. Then there was also a a bunch of really good swag that was at this conference. And I I am one that kind of like, I don't want to get any more cups. I don't want to get any more pins or shirts, but there were some really good quality pins, cups and shirts at the event. But there were a few other things too that I wanted to kind of give a shout out to if you're watching on live right now. This is, I mentioned this company earlier, it's Logboard. They print, they 3D printed these little mini containers and these containers open up so you can put, they put poker chips in them since the conference was in Vegas. So I thought that that was really clever. But I also just really love the fact of thinking outside of the box for a container box and getting something 3D printed, getting something custom with your name on it that's a little bit different than what everybody else is offering. I thought that that was a really nice touch too. I mentioned this company earlier, but this is kind of like a grown-up Etch-a-Sketch where you can take the pen and you can sort of just write whatever you want on it and then just get it deleted and then start over. So it's kind of like a reusable Etch-a-Sketch, Post-it note, things like that. Another clever giveaway that I thought, blue light glasses. We all sit in front of a a screen all day, every day. Blue light glasses were a fantastic giveaway because these, these are definitely what every business should have and every business really needs. And then also shout out to Flock Freight, because I know from firsthand how difficult it is to find a truck that can carry succulents. And you want to know why I know this? Because I searched high and low on the internet last year to give those away as Christmas gifts. And when I saw them at the conference, I immediately got mad because I walk over and I say, demanded to know where they got them from because I myself had done a lot of searching on the internet in order to find these specific trucks so that I could put a succulent in it and send it off to my clients. And I could not find it. And I was really bummed. But Flock Freight, managed to find it. And this is the result of it. So it's a really cute, just cute little wooden truck. And then it's carrying a load of succulents. So I thought that that was a really clever giveaway too. So just some ideas to think outside the box, whenever it comes to starting to show up to in person events again, and the things that sort of drew my attention in, maybe will draw other folks attention in. I know the puppy lounge was a huge hit. I know there was um, Arc Best is another great example of of some really cool give ways. Freight socks was a big giveaway, a big common theme at this on the expo floor. I got five pairs of socks from all different companies. And if you're looking at the screen, you can kind of see all of the different ones um, that were available. And it it was just astounding to me that freight companies, first of all, you, you know, you're historically known as not taking graphic design seriously. And what I've seen over the last year is that more companies are starting to empower creatives and starting to invest in content and graphic design. And I feel like the socks are a perfect encapsulation of that, that they're thinking outside of the box. They want to give something that's a little bit different. So I think you're going to be seeing a lot more of freight socks that are coming around. I'm even getting mailed some socks by, apparently I missed a few booths at the event that had socks as well. So I'm getting mailed some more freight socks. So if you wanted to start a freight socks collection, going to a conference is a great place to do that. And also something unique that I think that your company could invest in in the future. There are lots of companies out there uh, that are, you know, do custom prints and things like that. And socks are just a a new way, I think, of showing off your company's creativity. So a lot of really, really cool stuff. Like I said, I like as as a marketer, I like to look at what goes into a conference whenever you're planning the months leading up to it not just being there at the conference but what goes into your booth display what goes into the reps that you have there during the event what kind of goodies are you giving away at the event that are going to make people remember you and you might not be able to attach an ROI to a 3d printed you know mini container box or a you know a succulent truck you're not going to be able to attach an ROI to that but whenever i walk by these in my house that's I think of that brand. And so I don't you can't attribute an ROI to that. But if you're giving away some of these things, that's just something to think about as you're planning, whether you're going to go to some of these events in the future, if you're the person purchasing some of these different merchandising events, or merchandise to bring to these different events, I think it's just some cool things to keep in mind that there were some unique approaches being taken outside of the norm of, you know, pens and cups, which are great. But the socks are way cooler, the succulent truck is way cooler, getting things 3D printed is way cool, blue light glasses, all of these things, freight socks, those are all really cool things that I I feel like more companies should be thinking about. And I think more companies are thinking about it. So now as we transition into our first interview of the day, I'm going to go ahead and bring on Anthony Smith. He is the strategic executive producer. He's the market expert. He's the lead economist. I think I said it right that time, and host on (laughs) Freightways. So welcome in, Anthony, to the show.
1: Live, thank you so much for having me. It's an honor. As you know, I'm a huge fan of everything that you do. It just turns to magic, so I'm happy to be here.
0: Thank you so much. And I I told you to say that before the show. So I appreciate you, you obliging and and, and complimenting my ego even more. Now, before we get into your role at Freight Waves, I I wanted to sort of take it back a little bit to your, your former experience as a football player for New Mexico State before you got into the world of, you know, economics and and, and hosting shows and all of that good stuff, take us back to the college days of when you were a a, a football athlete. Did did you have to make that choice between choosing football or economy and policy? (laughs) Which one were you sort of leaning more towards?
1: Yeah, for sure. So like when, when you got there, the thing I loved about New Mexico State was they had a great staff. So like James Hall and all the athletic directors there, huge shout out to them. Of course they say student athlete and they always said things like you're a student first, then an athlete second, so make sure you get the grades. They're really big on, you know, making sure you keep your academics up. But the thing was is like I knew I loved economics before I got to New Mexico State. I loved it. I love everything about it. I love that it was like a puzzle piece, but it was difficult for sure because it's one of those subjects where it's not the easiest course load and football and college isn't the most forgiving schedule. So it was definitely like a balancing act during my undergrad where it was just like, all right, how can I schedule this out? Because now I have to actually study. I studied a little bit in high school, but now I had to like actually apply myself a little bit more, but now football is taking up so much time. So it was definitely like, all right, I have to be very, very decisive on how I would use my time and really make sure that like I would, be intentional on, all right, what am I doing right now? What am I setting time aside for? How is this going to go? Is this going to pay off and, you know, in the long run? Am I going to hate myself at 6 a.m. in the morning when I either have to cram for an exam or go to an early morning workout? So it was a lot of give and take
0: so uh, as you talk about that balance, what does, I mean, ultimately you, you said goodbye to football or are you still kind of playing football just maybe on the side or, or ha, what, what is the status oh, of your football career right now?
1: So I, I, I definitely don't play football anymore. I think I might pull some, I would definitely strain myself <laughs> in the door. Every once in a while I can get talked into playing a rugby match or two, um, If the weather's warm enough and I am in a good enough cardio shape, I might get out on the the pitch for a little bit. Um, But I definitely, I played, I was active for five years at New Mexico State Scholarship Athletes. I was incredibly thankful for that because it paid for my school. It was a full-ride scholarship. I got to travel to really cool stadiums, you know, even though we didn't do the best against Georgia or Auburn or some of the other SEC schools or Big Ten. That's besides the point that was, a great opportunity, and I got to have my school paid for, but now I can kind of reap the benefits of being able to say like, hey, I completed it, got my school paid for, it was rough for a little bit, social life may have suffered, but came out on the other end, I think, um, as a winner.
0: Hell yeah Despite I think a lot of folks if they could have with with having you know no coming out of college with no uh, with no debt with no school debt I'm sure is a, is something that a lot of a lot of people would want uh right now but you were able to to earn your degree and and you're now an economist which am I saying that right am I I don't even know if I'm saying that right but what is what does an economist
1: do <laughs> Yes yeah, so I think so I know econ and econ economics and economics is like a slight variation but I usually hear economist Economist. <laughs> I'm, okay, I'm not the I only think. one messing it up. <laughs> economist, <laughs> it's economist, but um, it, it's it's really been a, an amazing role because the thing I love about economics is that you can really apply it to almost any field. I think one of the best advice, or yeah, I would say it was a really good point of advice was that data is data and strategy is strategy. You can go and take it anywhere you go because you know. Going into the supply chain was a huge shift for me that I didn't really quite see coming. And actually, when I applied for Freight Waves, I thought I was going to be in Chicago doing a writing role, um, potentially. But uh, really being able to use and leverage economics is such a broad field. And it's, it's really impressive when I hear about economists that specialize their skills in a certain sector, because it's such a broad thing. Because you hear economists, you start thinking, all right, maybe... This person is a, you know, all right, they're going to know all about the stock market or they're going to be, you know, a finance guy or they're going to be good at accounting or they're good at policy. And it's like, there's so many different sectors to economics that I, my hat goes off to all my fellow economists that are, you know, specialize in public policy or specialize in the labor market or specialize in print logistics or forestry products. It's just so many areas that you can go and specialize into in economics that, when you first go out of college, it can be a little bit daunting because it's almost like you're not a general business degree where, you know, the world is your oyster and you don't quite know where to go and, you know, you have something behind you, but it's just like, all right, I graduated. What do I do? Did I specialize in something? How do I make this work? So it's definitely the early stages can be a little bit confusing if you don't already know what path you're going to go into.
0: Now, w- when you, you mentioned earlier that it's like putting a puzzle piece together but where do you typically start? So, so what does like a typical day look like for you? Are you going and looking for these different puzzle pieces? Or are they kind of finding you? How does that report gathering or that data gathering work for you and your role?
1: And so I think the thing that I love about economics and strategy in general is just like, you can find the variables that really pull the strengths to about 60 to 70% of the entire equation that you might be looking at. And so on my day-to-day, I already kind of have my go-to indexes, of course, within Sonar. Love Sonar. My flatbed outbound into rejection index, as anyone would tell you, is my favorite index in Sonar. But I have my go-to list. I I, I start off with the week, all right, these are going to be the upcoming economic releases for the week. Industrial production, retail sales, ISM, PMI, things like that, all these other nerdy economics or, or analyst type uh, data releases that come out on usually a weekly or sometimes monthly basis. I'll check those 8.30 a.m. I might be refreshing my computer to see what the latest numbers are. And then it's diving into some of those subcomponents because you might get a big release like, all right, headline number says, you know, retail sales rose by X amount. And then you got to dive deep in, into the report and say, all right, retail sales rose, but what happened within it? The e-commerce you know, surge or, you know, the e-commerce take a tank. And for some reason, department stores were supporting the growth or housing starts came up, but was the growth in the Midwest or the East? Was it in single unit? Was it in multifamily? So it's a puzzle piece, but the pieces are always changing. So the thing I love about economics is that it keeps you on your toes. You're always kind of solving for something that's always kind of moving and shifting. And that's the that's the fun part. That's the challenge. It's like, all right, This doesn't, it's not the same problem, it's not the same equation, but it kind of rhymes. And so how is this instance different than the previous one? But how can we use historical trends to really kind of forecast what's gonna happen in the future?
0: and that that brings up my next question because you had mentioned Sonar and and Sonar is, you know, for something, it's a tool, it's a data tool that I'm familiar with, but I am no expert whatsoever on, on pulling different data and how brokers and shippers and carriers are, are using these types of reports. Do do you have a sort of a general overview of how each of those demographics could use reports from Sonar?
1: Oh, for sure. So uh, of course I, I'm a little bit, I'm going to be a slightly biased into some of the indexes that I use for my own, you know, kind of day-to-day analysis. But of course, it, if you kind of, you know, of course, I'm sure some of our customer success folks are going to be furious with me on not kind of talking to some of the use cases, but you can get lane-by-lane lane analysis if you are looking at really kind of pointing in on, all right, where's some lane activity that can really start taking advantage of? You can kind of get into some of the maritime data, really starting to see, on things of like, all right, what's the inbound containers looking like? What kind of shipments are coming into the US? How can we kind of kind of get ahead of um, some of the trends that we're seeing? Are Is activity kind of coming down on imports? Once it does get into the country, what lanes are really being utilized? Um, after you kind of see what's going on with the utilization of different lanes, sometimes you want to take a macro step back. You want to see what's going on in the warehouses, what's going on with inventory rates. And so with Sonar, you can really kind of break all that down you can even do lane um, analysis to see what rates are going for in different lanes. It has a rating tool now. So, like, really, there's a use case for just about every single person in the supply chain um, in Sonar. And I can go on and on, of course, about it. But I'm sure some of our customer success and Sonar sales execs are going to be much better at it. But uh, I, I kind of stay a lot of times. I, I have to venture out of my little econ corner. Um, uh indexes and things like that, but there's just such a ton that it can do. And I think the best is yet to come for the platform.
0: And and so speaking from the, the platform perspective and then your role, you're using both of those different experiences in order to create almost daily content for freight waves. Can you can you give us a little bit of, of a breakdown on on did you ever see yourself sort of evolving into a, you know, essentially a TV host that's giving like market breakdowns? Was that ever in the plans for you? Or just did you just kind of like fall into the opportunity? I think like the rest of us.
1: I, I definitely fell into it um, for sure. I think so, of course, growing up, it's just like, I'm gonna play in the NFL and I'm gonna do this, I'm gonna do that. Then I was like, all right, you know what? I'm going to be a great economist and, and you just kind of make your way throughout the industry. And you, I came across uh freight waves and Craig was really, you know, excited about And I, a huge shout out to his son who really kind of got freight waves now uh, kicked off, especially with the GoPro. Um, but it, it was really kind of like a thing I would do on the side because I, you know, I had a little bit of downtime in between calls and stuff like that yeah, I can go do a GoPro video. I can go do, you know, this shoot real quick. And then it kind of started to grow and grow and grow and become a little bit more um, important to our brand and what we're doing and expanding. And then it became much more valuable. And so it really kind of, um, you know, it it chose me <laughs> in a sense, but uh, I'm, I'm excited and I'm happy for the opportunity Um, and it's just like a whole nother skill set that's like, all right, I am, when you watch yourself or listen to yourself, like, wow, that was horrible or wow, that was a really bad transition or how did I toss that? Or my energy has to be through the roof just so it translates onto camera that I am really excited to be here and actually talking about this data. So there's just, a, uh, I'm learning a lot and growing a lot and it's just been a fun, fun, um, past thus far
0: it's almost like you're reviewing tape of yourself, but a, a different kind of game tape now. It's, it's a whole different world where, where you have to watch yourself and the words that you say and, you know, trying not to use your hands as much because I, I'm guilty of that or saying the words like, um, and uh, and, you know, being comfortable in those pauses. So it's it, it, I imagine it's probably a whole different world as far as like, more. Well, maybe it's it's a lot of similarities as far as like reviewing game tape of yourself in order to find those little ways in order to to get better. Now, Anthony, you've been with Breitway for a while now. Do you have a favorite story that you've covered?
1: It has been a while. I think it's it's coming up on three years in March. Um, So I think thus far, my favorite stories, I know one for sure has to be um, when there was just a lot of weather events happening in the U.S. And um, Craig and the team did something really cool, just, you know, opening up Sonar completely free. Um, You know, try it out. Throughout these, you know, hard and trying times, and so it was really, really cool to see, you know, the supply chain community come together um, throughout that time and really see the impacts throughout the supply chain. Like how is this going to impact carriers? How is it going to impact shippers? How is it going to impact, you know, you know, air cargo or whatever might be going on in a certain region or a certain area during a, a hurricane time? And so when there are big shifts and the, the U.S. or in the, in the world, and you get to really see all the waves throughout, work waves in there, all the waves um, and, and all the aftershock effects throughout the supply chain. So you hear about all these examples, but when you see it playing out in real time, sometimes it's a little bit scary because, you know, there are people whose livelihoods are at stake, But it's also really humbling to see, all right, these are all the impacts. These are actually some of the use cases. This is how it can actually help somebody. So I think anytime that there's a huge shakeup in the industry, I really kind of gravitate to those situations.
0: Do you have a story or, or topics that you want to see covered more within the industry?
1: I do. I do for sure. So I'm always for... This is tricky because not a lot of them want to talk, but I would love to hear sometimes a little bit more from truckers. Um, because they're on the ground floor. They, a lot of times, are so much of an afterthought, but they run the supply chain, essentially. It doesn't, it doesn't work without some of the drivers, or all the drivers, I should say. And so hearing more content for them or from them would be huge. Um, I know we're doing more now. I know we have some new contributors who are really kind of giving us a bird's eye view of you know, some of the trucker uh, you know, daily day, day-to-day lives, activity. I think as we continue to grow as an industry, we're doing so many things that's amazing with technology. You know, we're looking at autonomous vehicles, we're looking at EVs, we're looking at um, different applications, freight tech is huge. But at the same time, I don't I would hate for some of the you know bare bones and the essentials of it to kind of get forgotten when you think about the driver, when you think about some things that they're going through, when we think about things like truck parking, things like that. So I think when you look at those aspects, it's really, I think, uh, a whole level that we I would hate to forget about as this industry continues to grow and expand with so much technology.
0: Well said. I, I I co-sign that because I feel like the the eyes on the road are are the ones that it's almost like you're we're eyewitnesses to what they're they're experiencing day in and day out. And and so I I definitely echo that statement. Now with all of your roles within Freight Waves, you're obviously, and I'm saying this sarcastically, you're obviously in, in terrible shape. But how are you balancing the fitness aspect of things, your fitness journey? Um, I, I imagine maybe balancing the, the, the football and and your degree has helped you balance your many roles within Freight Waves and then also fitness. Is that a fair statement?
1: Definitely. So it's, it's been... For sure, like you said, said journey, and I think that's the best way to put it because um, throughout football, you kind of had to make those decisions, all right, I need to perform at this workout because at this point in time in college, it's a career. It's your job. It's your your nine to five. And then, you know, you have to also perform in the classroom. So um, being able to kind of have that already kind of structured in was, you know, I think uh, a huge blessing because it was like, all right, now I can kind of take this and implement it in my day-to-day life. Now, I don't have a strength conditioning coach yelling at me or repercussions if I don't show up to the gym. So it is a little bit easier for me to kind of, you know, all right, I took it easy this week or then a week turns into a month and then a month maybe like, wow, this was a rough quarter. And then, wow, this was a little bit of an off year. But I think the the basis is there. And I think that's how it is with everything. Once you have that base and that foundation there, it's easier. That muscle uh, memory kind of comes back and into to play. You're able to kind of just jump back into it. But it's definitely one of those things where you have to be intentional. Like, all right, have this time. Be intentional. What am I going to do here? What am I going to decide to do? Everyone's busy, but what are you going to do with that time? How are you going to allocate it?
0: Very well said, because that's one aspect that it, it's it's what, what what do they say? It's what you do in the dark that shows in the light. And I think that that could be probably applied to not just your your fitness journey, but also uh, economic reports and also with your hosting duties on on freightways, on the various different programming of, of everything that you're doing. So you're doing all of this research and all of this work in the dark, but it's coming to light in obviously a, a very positive way. Now, with the rest of, of 2022, we got some more Freight Waves events, both virtual and in-person. What are you looking forward to covering in the coming months?
1: Arkansas. I am looking forward to our in-person events so much um, just because it's... Throughout my time at Freight Waves and being able to be a part of a lot of those great in-person events, is just next level. And I think it's really done something to elevate the event expectations within the space. And so... I'm excited to kind of get back. I'm a little bit scared to get back into it as well because I know it's going to be a lot of hard work with registrations and you know making sure it all comes together. But it's also that aspect I love about it of just like, all right, this team just pulled it together. We just all did this. Um, but I'm looking forward to just getting back into those in-person events and really being able to connect with people and really um, you know say hi to people that I've known for years virtually now that I've actually never met in person. Um, but on the virtual side, I'm excited about keeping that growth as an experience because looking at how our first virtual experience was, which I think was extraordinary to where we've come now, it's almost night and day, and I love the continued progression. Nick Torres and the team is doing a great job with that, and a huge shout-out to them because it's just been uh, an amazing, amazing um, journey, even though it's been throughout the quarantine times.
0: Yeah, because I, I can remember that very first event. And I, I would actually credit FreightWaves with being the the first company to bring all of the logistics community together on LinkedIn, you know, for, for better or worse, if you hate LinkedIn or you love LinkedIn. But that Moving that first in-person conference to virtual was where I met a lot of my "quote-unquote" internet friends, and it was the opportunity to meet them for the first time last month, and then also coming up in in Arkansas for folks who aren't aware of that re- uh, of that event. Can you give us a, a sort of a rough breakdown of what folks can expect?
1: Definitely. So it's it's more than um, you know a, a conference. Um, if you're not familiar with some of the FreightWaves events, it's almost like um ces and freight and a little bit of espn and music and so it's just going to be in a lot of leds i'm sure um but it's essentially it's like a great festival festival um, we were going to have the future freight festival uh in 2021 but you know really being able to push it out um into 2022 and have this in-person event in arkansas it's really going to be a great opportunity to really kind of all right, we have to continue to push and elevate ourselves and continue to, you know, the thing that, that Great Waves is really, I, that cr- I credit Craig for, for really kind of keeping um, his, his finger on and the foot in the gas is that transparency to the industry. And if you've been around for a while, you know that that was the name of a lot, a lot of our in-person events was transparency um, following the year. And so really being able to bring more and more transparency, more and really promoting and celebrating Um, these uh, innovations in freight tech is just really what it's all about. And I think um, that's what a lot of people are going to really be able to take away um, in, in Arkansas.
0: Love it. I think that that's... De- I can speak for a lot of people when I say that that's a conference that a lot of us are have bookmarked already on the calendar and have sk- cleared the schedule in order to, to show up to that one. Because it is a long time coming. It's been more than two years since we've all seen each other in person. So I, I'm definitely looking forward to it. I know you are as well. All right. Where can folks follow more of your work, your shows, all that good stuff?
1: Definitely. So of course, I'm on LinkedIn. Um, you can find me there at that I get to host with the amazing Zach shriven the Sultan of Sonar himself. I am remaking a Twitter because I accidentally paused it, Then I realized if you pause it for too long, they just erase your account. So uh, I think my, my handle is going to be Macro Freight. So go ahead and please give me a follow over there and help rebuild me. Um, but at asmit.freightways.com as well, if you want to reach out and email me, I'm always ready to talk econ or transportation or anything really strategy or you know, econ related So, feel free to reach out there.
0: Awesome. Well, well, thank you so much for your perspective, Anthony. It was really cool learning about the backstory of of how you got to your freight waves journey and all of the different responsibilities that you're now in charge of. And you're you're helping. You're you're, you're the smart one that's helping the rest of us figure everything else out. So, we we thank you for your time and your effort.
1: Why, well, they're too kind. Thanks for having me on. I'm honored. I get to be on Cyberly. I'm excited. I'm gonna tell my mom about this. No brainer.
0: I I get to wear the crown now that I was I was you're you're the first interview on the other side. So everybody else, all the other freight wave shows. Now now they gotta now they gotta get you on too.
1: Exactly. The bar has been raised.
0: (laughs) That's right. (laughs) Appreciate your time, Anthony.
1: Thanks so much.
0: Absolutely. Well, now that we're we're closing out with with one awesome interview, I kind of hinted to that earlier in the show about how we're going to play for you a couple of interviews that I did on site. The first one that we're gonna play for you is from Brad Garrett. He is the head of operations over at Gaddig. That's autonomous vehicles. They're focusing mainly on the middle mile. So we're gonna play that interview first. And then immediately after that interview plays, we're then going to play another interview from Matt Barr. He is the senior director of product strategy at e-Logistics, a division of Geodis. And we did this interview in the puppy lounge area. They were the official sponsor of the puppy lounge area. So so I had my little YouTube studio in a box. So if you followed any of my other, uh, you know, social media posts, and you probably saw, or maybe you saw, I don't know, but it's a YouTube studio in a box that I built—audio, video, lighting, all that good stuff—inside of essentially what is a carry-on suitcase. So I built it in there. I opened up the case. We're able to interview, sit right on the floor with the puppies crawling all over us. We may have had some treats in order to entice them in to a little bit of a longer interview. But those are two really great, fun interviews. The interview with Brad is the first one that's going to play we actually did it in front of the Gaddock truck that was there on the autonomous vehicle road that I spoke about earlier. So a couple of really fun interviews that really only happen in person during events like this. So I hope you guys enjoy and we'll be back next Thursday with another episode of Cyberly. A little bit of a shortened version for that one for Global Supply Chain Week, and then back with regularly scheduled programming after that. Once again, I am Blythe Brumley with Digital Dispatch. Hope you guys have a fantastic day and enjoy these interviews. All right, welcome into another episode live from Manifest: The Future of Logistics. Right now, I am joined by Head of Operations with Brad over at Gadic, and Brad, welcome in. How are you enjoying Thank the show? You. This
2: is a fantastic show.
0: How are you enjoying? It? You guys have a, an actual truck.
2: We have here. our truck here. <laughs> yeah, we're really lucky to be here. Uh, it's the future logistics, and we are. A part of that so yeah it's a great show a lot of great people here
0: so so tell us a little bit about what how your company came to be because obviously you know a- av technology autonomous vehicle technology is is sort of the topic of discussion here at the fest yep. so where 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 did you guys sort of enter the market like where's your sweet spot
2: yeah so we the company started uh by our three founders in 2017 uh and uh we are focused on what we call the middle mile so we are uh developing deploying and operating mm-hmm. autonomous trucks uh, for B2B short-haul logistics, uh, typically in urban environments. Hmm. So uh, we focus on, this is a, 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 a class six uh, truck, and so we, we focus on class three to class six trucks, uh, 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 not the big class eight trucks like some of the other AV companies. We we feel like we're the leader, and I think we are the leader in this in this space. So, a uh, little bit smaller trucks than, than some of the other guys, but we feel really, really great about it.
0: Why the middle mile? Because most of the, when I hear about AV technology, it's either first mile or the final mile. Why yeah. middle mile?
2: Yeah, so uh, I guess a couple things. Uh, one is it's it's kind of a wide open space, mm. uh, not a lot of competition. So, uh, and it's a huge space and it's a growing space. And the reason it's growing is because um, as, uh, as um, uh, inventory gets closer and closer to customers, uh, more companies are, are developing what's called a hub-and-spoke model, so in urban environments. So uh, there's more and more of these routes that are being uh, transported from hubs to smaller stores to pick up locations, um, and uh, and that means that's perfect for us. Uh, shipments are getting smaller and more frequent, and uh, therefore less uh, need for Class 8 trucks and more need for plus class class six trucks So, so
0: who why. essentially is your are, are you supplying the trucks or are you supplying the technology? How do you sort of fit in I guess with fleets?
2: Yeah so we are we operate we develop the technology we own the trucks um, or and we operate the trucks as well. So my team for example, is head of operations. Uh, my team actually sits in, in the cab and operates the trucks. Our, we have the remote, remote operators as well, dispatch team et cetera. So we actually own the operation and we actually are delivering real commercial orders for real customers. Every day, um, and, uh, and and yeah, so we we both operate and uh, and develop technology.
0: And so with the, the the truck itself, where is I guess the the, the big thing is with the cameras on sure. the side of the yeah. truck, which yeah. you, you can kind of see. I'll, I'll show it in, in some B roll footage yeah. uh, later on, or we'll probably over loop it here. Sure. Um, but tell us a little bit about the AV technology.
2: Yeah, absolutely. So what you can see is the, the perception stack. So we have cameras, we have lidar. Uh, we have radar uh, and, and then inside the truck, we have a compute system. Uh, and also we have GNSS, uh, high, high high definition uh, uh, GPS. So inside inside the vehicle uh, is several computers that kind of take all of the information that the perception stack uh, uh, understands and computes it and, and then works with a technology called drive-by-wire that actually controls the steering, the braking, the shifting, the acceleration, et cetera. Uh, and so that's, be, it's self-contained within the vehicle, so our perception stack, our compute within the vehicle, and the drive-by-wire is essentially how uh, our operation works.
0: So, the technology we talked about. What about sort of the the, the people side of the business? So, yeah. developing relationships with, with different fleets. What does that yep. look like for you guys?
2: Yeah. So, one of our, our uh, we announced two two of our customers. Uh, one of them is Walmart. So, we started with Walmart in 2019, uh, and we've been operating you know in Bentonville and also in New Orleans uh, since then. Uh, and then we have uh, Loblaw in Canada. So Loblaw is Canada's largest retailer, and we have several operations, several vehicles uh, there as well. So that's other customers. So we are in um, uh, Toronto for Loblaw, in Bentonville for Walmart, in New Orleans for Walmart, and then in Texas for some other folks in Dallas and San Antonio.
0: So you have the fleet side of the relationship. What about the driver side of the relationship? How are you sort of evolving the training of, of drivers with yeah. AV technology? Yeah,
2: we, we own that, yeah. So my team owns, owns the... Recruiting, the retention, the training, um, yeah, all the, the whole process. So they are they are our team. Well,
0: how does the I, I guess does it well, how does the training process look like for a driver? Yeah, yeah. I guess comparative to a, a typical driver. Yeah, role?
2: you know, we we look for obviously you have to be a, a strong driver, mm-hmm. but also as a drive as an AVO or autonomous vehicle operator or safety driver, they have to be uh, good with technology, uh, good with maintenance, understand how vehicles work, and that's just kind of standard stuff. Uh, but they also have to learn about the technology so we we teach them not only how to be safe drivers manually uh, but also on the technology side as well the AV technology that we develop how the industry is going so they kind of understand uh what what AVs are all about so we do all that training Cool. and uh, hiring and, and all that.
0: So yeah. what's, what's on the horizon for you guys? I know that, that timeline is sort of like one of those tricky situations to really yeah. nail down, especially in the AV space. Yeah. But what does sort of the next uh, six months look like for you guys? We
2: are growing like crazy. So uh, this 2022 is going to be an amazing year for us. 2023 is going to be even bigger, uh, but massive growth uh, with, uh, with lots of exciting things coming up. So that's really our main focus, uh, continuing to develop our technology, but also massively scaling number of mm-hmm. trucks, number of operations, number of customers, uh, and just the overall team size.
0: Awesome. Well, yeah. Brad, where can folks follow more of your work, more of Gaddock's work, all that good stuff?
2: Yeah, uh, so gaddock.ai is, uh, is our website, and you can follow me or, or connect with me on LinkedIn. Awesome. The chat.
0: Thank you so much, Brad.
2: Thanks, Mike. Okay. <laughs> Appreciate it.
0: All right. Well, in, in case you can't tell, we're, we're doing one of the toughest interviews of our entire yeah. life. Uh, welcome into another <laughs> segment from Manifest, the future of logistics. I'm your host, Blythe Carly, but today I'm joined with Matt Barr. He hey. is the senior, what is your, your title, official title?
3: Senior Director of Product Strategy for Geodas and its eLogistics product.
0: And, and what, for, for folks who aren't aware, Geodis is a, a global brand.
3: Yeah, so we've been around for, I don't know, almost 120 years now. Wow. We're based out of France. Um, Our North America headquarters are though right here, not right here in Vegas, but in Nashville, Tennessee. So we've got a large, large presence in America, in the U.S., um, over 150 buildings. So we're around even if you've never heard of us.
0: And so you're mainly in charge of the e-logistics side of things. Can you give us a breakdown of what exactly that is and and who your target audience is, all that good stuff?
3: Totally. So e-logistics is a new product that we launched uh, last year, 2021. Um, a little distracted here with the puppies.
0: <laughs> it's difficult. I'm sure yeah. the audience is not watching us at all. No, They're going to no, be at paying attention to the puppies.
3: Um, so eLogistics really focuses on direct-to-consumer fulfillment needs of emerging brands, of digitally native brands, of those that you know typically wouldn't find uh, entry into a 3PL very easy, because traditionally Geotus works with very large and enterprise-level oh. brands. And uh, this gives, you know, the emerging brands, which is a growing market in the e-commerce world, a chance to work with a 3PL and have a growth partner that really can grow with them as they, you know, find more and more growth themselves.
0: And so for a lot of these businesses, I would imagine that that is a a big step for them to start working with a 3PL, to start working with a company like eLogistics. What are some of the things that they're personally struggling with? that
3: e-logistics solves? Yeah. Well, ultimately, I think it's it's being able to, one, have that, have that growth partner uh, that can say, okay, this is where we are today. Can you meet me where you are today? And can you meet the brand where they want to be in six months, in a year? And, you know, a lot of the emerging brands and D2C brands, they don't have large logistics uh, departments. They, they don't have those those heads inside their company themselves. So they really lean on some experts to say, okay, this is how you should grow. This is where you should be. So eLogistics has, currently we have three facilities throughout the U.S. Uh, One's out in L.A. We've got one uh, in New Jersey and one in um, Indianapolis. We've got a fourth location going in to Nashville in April. And so really, you know, we're establishing this network that helps them, you know, be closer to their customers and to meet those needs of, speed and a visibility and, and ensuring that experience for their customers is a good and safe one.
0: And so uh, obviously, we're, we're, we're surrounded. So let's go ahead and talk about the elephant in the room. And really, it's like a dozen puppies that we're, we're now <laughs> at Manifest the future of logistics. And this is one of the more creative things that they have in on deck which is the puppy lounge where you can actually just, it's on the expo floor. You can walk right in and yep. start to play with the wow. puppies.
3: Wow, they're just growing in numbers too.
0: Oh, <laughs> well, we're, we're enticing them a little bit. Because <laughs> Maybe a little bit. We have one, it's one of the more oh. clever marketing programs I think I've ever seen. And then also you have all of these little stuffed animals and these treats, which Jodas sort of, the, the puppies ate it, so sorry, you can't see the full thing right now. <laughs> um, but they also have these little stuffed animals that you can take home to to your family. Uh, but I guess it's going back into the, the business. This aspect side of things. good luck <laughs> i'm trying to keep this interview from going off the rails but um so from the perspective of, of a small business owner you're addressing those problems as far as scalability is concerned mm-hmm. and then what does that i guess onboarding process look like for them
3: yeah well it's it's you know it's got to be a seamless one um and it, again it has to be where Geotas can meet them where they are hmm. right then so You know, onboarding for us takes, you know, roughly just a few days to really integrate with their ERP, with their Shopify uh, network. And so from there, it's just waiting on that inbound and being able to support them because we've done a lot of the upfront work on integrating directly with Shopify and the other popular e-commerce platforms. So that it's it's as much of a plug and play as as we could possibly have. And
0: does it replace the internal shipping department, or does it help you know sort of scale that internal shipping department?
3: Yeah, I think for for those that have the internal shipping department in logistics, this is just a great partnership for them that they can lean on both within fulfillment as well as transportation. Because we you know within e logistics that includes the direct to consumer parcel. Uh, shipping, you know, it includes first and middle miles. So we've got, (laughs) we've got crumbs everywhere. Um, And so, you know, it's, it's, it's a good support system because, you know, we're not only working with emerging brands, but we've also been working with some larger apparel retailers for, I would say more niche needs that they have. So whether it's NPIs, whether it's a need for like a new pop-up location for new releases, we've been able to support some really large apparel retailers within the framework and business model that we've set up. So, oh my goodness, this is a cute I know, one. I like this guy a lot. He's good. got like a beard at six weeks old. We
0: already have our favorites over here. <laughs> and the, we are also, well, you still have treats. I don't have any more treats, so I think they're gonna be a little disappointed <laughs> when they come to me now. Um, so, you guys are also one of the first North American partners to to have implemented a Warehouse Robotics with Exo, ExoTech. Can you tell yep. us a little
3: bit about that? Partner? Yeah, yeah, no, it, real excited. They've got a booth right behind ours. Uh, will be one of the first three or four sites that they fully implemented. So we've got the building in Nashville launching in April with Exotech, which is a fantastic and really innovative (laughs) goods-to-person technology. Hey, buddy. Um, Goods-to-person technology that's going to just, you know, really bring the efficiencies of, of a warehouse that typically emerging brands, smaller brands, even the largest of brands, couldn't attain, oh, wow. you know, on themselves because it, it's not a cheap investment. You know, it's, it, it's amazing technology. And we're excited to bring that in and have people just sort of plug and play right into that network with ExoTech. We also have other facilities that run on Locust robots, which we're huge fans of, and we've worked with them for years. So again, it's just it's really exciting to be able to work with a lot of the emerging brands that, again, are, work, are working their way into a 3PL relationship and being able to, like, provide the best-in-class technology.
0: Absolutely, especially with the growth of e-commerce over the last two yeah. years, that every business was essentially forced to to adopt some yeah. kind of strategy. It sounds like that that's exactly your sweet spot. Is You <laughs> are a greedy one.
3: <laughs> oh, man.
0: <laughs> All right, so where <laughs> can folks follow more of Jodis' work, uh, e, you know, the, the, your other e, you know, e-logistics work? Oh, I'm, I'm sorry, I'm blanking on everything right no, now. No, you're good.
3: Of you're good. So we're here at Manifest, um, <laughs> but we really have a great website. I know we all push websites, yes. but if by going to elogistics.geotis.com, it lays out what the service is. We we put out there really simple pricing so that it 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 has sort of a D 2 C feel to it to really allow, you That's know, unique. yeah, to really allow um, you know, these emerging brands that live and breathe this digital commerce environment for them to understand and and grow and build with us
0: that's awesome so yeah. obviously check out the website where can they find the website um i assume geodes.com you can
3: go to geodis.com or e-logistics.geodes.com and uh and find out more and uh and again we
0: i know the, the toughest I interview wanna, of our lives right yeah. here